encouragement to us all. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Um, if you have your Bibles with you today, you can open them to Matthew, the second chapter. Matthew, the second chapter, if you would, please. Um, doing a two-part series on Joseph and Mary. And I didn't know why the Lord wanted me to do it in two parts because I could have easily done it in one part. Covered it all last Sunday. But uh, I see now why he arrested me and had me do it in two parts. You'll see that at the end of the message today. Just to review last Sunday, we uh, noted the angel's announcement to Mary and then to Joseph. We noted how Mary visited Elizabeth and then how Joseph and Mary along with baby Jesus in her womb, in the virgin's womb, made their way to Bethlehem. We talked about how the angels appeared to the shepherds and they came in to Bethlehem and saw Jesus, you know, in a manger. And then we saw how Jesus on the eighth day was circumcised and dedicated in the temple. Simeon, the man of God who was looking for Jesus and God had promised him that he wouldn't die until he saw Jesus. He got to see Jesus, you know, and then Anna the prophetess got to see Jesus as well there, the baby Jesus, and she rejoiced. Now what we want to do is pick up with the visit of the wise men in Matthew, the second chapter and the first verse. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem. Wise men from the east. Uh, these are known as the Magi. Now, you know, usually they're called kings. They may well have been. We don't know for sure that they were kings. They, they may have been. Uh, it's very likely that they were astronomers, uh, not astrologers. You know, astrology is demonic. You understand that. But astronomy is not. And it's more likely that these were astronomers they may have been kings who were astronomers. I don't know. We, we don't even know that they were three in number. We assume that there were three of them because of the three gifts. There may have been three. I, I don't know. But we, what we do know is wise men from the east came to Jerusalem. Notice verse 2 saying, and notice they come into Jerusalem and they're, and they're saying, they're asking the people, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star. Notice they saw his star. Evidently astronomers to some, to whatever degree, we've seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. Uh, they saw a star, didn't they? And uh, it, it's, it's interesting, you know, in astronomy... 
it is a matter of record that a new star made an appearance in the period immediately, just immediately preceding the time that Jesus was born. Bishop Ignatius back in that time, and he's quoted as saying that he evidently saw it. He, he said it sparkled brilliantly above all stars. The Chinese the Chinese records make mention of this new bright star at the same time that corresponds with Jesus' birth in Bethlehem. I did a series many years ago on the gospel and the stars. And did you know that God put the gospel message in the stars? Did you know that? And, and, and I taught for weeks on it. And uh, now you understand that there's a demonic side to it of, of, of astrology and horoscopes. We don't look at it from that side. We, but there's a, there's a, 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 from astronomy, not from astrology, but from astronomy, we took a look at it. And God painted the gospel in the stars. And, and, and there's one of the uh, uh, figures there that is Virgo or the Virgin, Okay. And on her lap sits an infant. And, and when, and I, I don't have time to get into it all right now, but when Jesus was born, that, I, I believe what they call it is that house was at the forefront and the virgin was at the forefront and the infant in her lap. And it's interesting that a new star and some argue it was a super, supernova. I, I don't want to get into all that, but here's the thing, that a star, a new star, bright star appeared. And it's interesting that that star was located in the head of the infant that sat on the virgin's lap. Isn't that something? Isn't that something? But these wise men saw this star and they came to worship Jesus and they came in there to Jerusalem saying, hey, we've seen this star in the east and we're looking for this one who has been born king of the Jews. We've come to worship him. Now notice here, verse three, Matthew two, verse three. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled. Now it says in all Jerusalem with him. Now here's the thing about this star Interesting, you, you, you know, you see the, the, the pictures of Hollywood, you know, that they make and the different plays that they've made and the different things you'll even see in Sunday school classrooms, pictures on the wall. How many of you have ever seen that star? You know, Jesus is, is in the manger in the stable there and the star is beaming down right on him. How many of you have ever seen that? Well, I don't believe it necessarily happened that way. There was a star. No question about that. But the reason I say that is if there had been a star, that, and there was a star, but if it had been beaming, just beaming right down on that, on that manger, don't you think, I mean, don't you think that other people would have seen that? And if you remember last week, when the angels appeared to the shepherds, they did not say that you'll see, they didn't say, hey, you see that star up there that's, now there was a star, but they didn't say, you know, there's a star up there that's, that's beaming right down. That'll be a sign. Did the angels say that? They didn't say that. They said that, what was the sign last week? That you'd find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a 
manger. So there was a star there, but it wasn't, in my opinion, it wasn't beaming right down like we've been taught. Um, it, it's like, you know, these, these wise men saw this star in the east. I mean, I don't know about you, but I've gone out on a clear night and I've looked up at the, at the, at the stars, just looked up at them. And, and just looking up at them, if you just look up at them, I can't, I can't see, I mean, like the Little Dipper, the Big Dipper, it's there, but you got to kind of look for it, don't you? You know, and, and, uh, and the different, like the virgin with the, with the child in her lap, it's up there, but you've got to, you know, if you just walk out and look up, you know, you've got to be studying it. You've got to understand some things or have some telescope. You understand what I'm saying? And so evidently this star, it was there, but evidently it wasn't something that, you know, you just walk out at night, oh, wow, there's a big star there and it's beaming right down on the, on the manger. Evidently it wasn't like that. But notice verse three again, when Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and, and all Jerusalem with him. So, so evidently they didn't see this star. Don't you think that that star, if it had been beaming down, don't you think that would have got their attention? And when, notice verse 4, and when he had gathered all the chief priests and the scribes of the people together, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. So they said to him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, but you Bethlehem in the land of Judah uh, are not the least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel." Verse 7, then Herod, when he had secretly called the wise men. See, the wise men didn't come in and go to Herod. Herod called for the wise men. See, the wise men came in and, and they were just asking. They said, hey, we've seen this star in the east, born the king of the Jews. We've come to worship him. Herod hears about it. He has his people find out where, where, where was this, this king of the Jews born. But then he secretly has the wise men come to him. Notice verse 7, then Herod, when he had secretly called the wise men, determined from them what time the star appeared. So that pretty well proves that Herod didn't notice a star, did he? Now the star was there, but he didn't notice it because he's asking the wise men, what, what time, when, when did this star appear? Verse 8, and he sent and notice, he sent them to Bethlehem. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, because he got that information, you know, from the scripture, his, his Herod's people looked that up. We just read about that. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search carefully for the young child. And when you found him, bring back word to me that I may come and worship him also. When they heard the king, they departed and behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. Now there again, they're seeing the star. It appears to them. Did they lose track of it? Or I don't really know, but I do know this, that if that star had been beaming right down on where Jesus was, don't you think Herod and his evil cohorts could have found that? But the wise men head towards where Herod told them to go. 
They sent, sent, he sent them to Bethlehem. Verse nine, when they heard the king, they departed. Behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. So there was a star, it stood over all of that. I'm just saying that not necessarily everybody saw it. Notice verse 10, when, they, when the wise men, when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. And when they had come, now watch this, and when they had come into the what? So were they in the manger right now? No. So the wise men didn't come that they weren't there the night that Jesus was born. Now they were headed that way, but they weren't there that night. So you know, the nativities that we see, every nativity I've seen, they always have the wise men there, right? Well, there, there they are. <laughs> but they weren't there that night, were they? See how easy it is to just go along with tradition and not follow the scripture? Well, there you go. I've already had people argue with me over the years and say, well, I just, I was taught that the wise men were there that night. And so that's just what I was taught. I don't care what the Bible says. That's what I was taught. You know, we need to care what the Bible says. I didn't put that up. Somebody else did. You think we ought to take the, let's, let's just move on. You know, our eternal, now listen to me. Learn something here. Does our eternity, where we're going to spend eternity, hinge on whether or not we got three figures up there wise? So we got better things to do than argue about that, right? Is that right? You shouldn't have a tree in the church. Well, there's a tree in the church. It doesn't have a thing in the world to do whether or not we're going to heaven or hell. Somebody say amen. I got better things to do than argue with you over that. If that's all you have to do with your time, you're all men most miserable. You understand? Did you hear me? Um, but nonetheless, they come into the house and they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down, worshiped him. When they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And we'll say more about that next Sunday. Uh, notice verse 12. Then having, now watch this, then being divinely warned. Somebody say divinely warned. Divinely say that again, divinely warned. Yeah, one more time for good measure. Being divinely warned in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed for their own country another way. Could well have saved their lives, couldn't it? Now notice here in Matthew 2 verse 13. Now when they, the wise men, had departed, behold an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream saying, pay real close attention now, arise, take the young child and his mother, flee to Egypt and stay there until I bring you word. For Herod will seek the young child to what? To destroy him. Now, not only were the wise men warned, but was Joseph warned? Yeah. Did it save his son's life? And you know, it wasn't his natural son because Jesus was born of a... But nonetheless, God gave Joseph responsibility over Mary and Jesus. 
and God appeared, you know, had, had the angel appear to Joseph and gave him divine direction and guidance? And did it save Jesus's life? Yeah. Did, did, uh, uh, did, did the angel bring word and say, uh, just stay there. We're going to have an angelic host of, of warring angels that are going to protect the young child. Did it say that? Now, could God have done that if he wanted to? Yeah, but did he do it that way? No, he warned them and he said, just leave this area. Is that right? Now, now, now it saved Jesus' life, didn't it? Yeah. Listen carefully. We're going to talk about this more here in just a moment. Notice verse 14. When he arose, he took the young child and his mother by night and departed for Egypt and was there until the death of Herod that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet saying, out of Egypt I've called my son. Now, notice here in Matthew 2 verse 16, then Herod... When he saw that he was deceived by the wise men, actually he was outwitted or nonetheless by the wise men, he w- now Herod was exceedingly what? Angry. angry. He was angry in a rage. And he sent forth, now watch this, and he sent forth and put to death all the male children who were in Bethlehem and in all its districts from two years old and under. Does that do anything to you? If that doesn't get your attention, you need to check your heart and see if you're saved. I said you need to check your heart and see if you're saved. Amen. Amen. Do you realize what happened there? Herod, when he saw that he was deceived by the wise, he was angry. And he sent forth and put to death slaughtered, massacred, all the male children, all, did it say all the male children? All the male children who were in Bethlehem and in all its districts from two years old and under. According to the time which he had determined from the wise men. So, you know, we could talk about, well, when did the wise men see the star and how old was Jesus at this time? And so evidently he was under two years. So, you know, how old was Jesus when the wise men got, you know, I don't want to get into all of that today. It's, it, it, it's insignificant, all of that. It, it, you understand what I'm saying? We just know that the wise men weren't there the night Jesus was born and, and from all this determination that Jesus was under two years old. You understand that? But what I want to center in on is what did Herod do? He, what did he do? He slaughtered all the, all the male children. How old were they? Two years and under. Verse 17. Then was fulfilled what was spoken by Jeremiah the prophet saying, a voice was heard in Ramah, lamentation, weeping and great mourning. Rachel, weeping for her children, refusing to be comforted because they are no more. And this is commonly known as the massacre or the slaughter of the innocents. And that's all I had for my message today. 
Normally, I would have, as I said earlier, I would have had this message covered all last week. We could have done it in one, one Sunday. The Lord, prior to last Sunday, a week or so ahead of time, he wanted this in two parts. And, you know, I, I said to the Lord, well, this Sunday, I mean, look, I'm, I'm done now. It's, you know, it's, I'm done. I don't have, I'm done. I was finishing this message with the massacre of the innocents. And I'm done. I had nothing else. I'm done. I'm ready. It's, but then Friday happened. Now, do you see how supernatural that is? You see, a lot of times we want to see an angel appear. Or we want to have, you know, the, uh, supernatural. Can't you see how the Lord was leading me as your pastor to give you what you needed this morning for what happened on last Friday? If that doesn't get your attention at how much the Lord loves you and how supernatural this is, then you, you need to think a little bit. There's a God who sits in the far sides of the north and, and, and he leads and guides this pulpit and he loves you and cares about you. I had no clue why, but you see, after Friday, then I knew. I was shocked, I was amazed. Well, now there's the rest of my message to help you. You realize what happened on Friday, don't you? A mass shooting. 26 people killed, plus the, I guess there were two more, but there were 20 very young children slaughtered. Horrible. Catastrophic. And words cannot express how despicable that is. These were like first graders, slaughtered. Say, why would someone do this, pastor? Well, I can just give you my thoughts. Many times mental illness plays a role in these things, as I'm sure you're aware and we could talk for hours on that. Another thing I could say to you is that it's, you know, a sign of the last days in which we live. You know, the Apostle Paul said to Timothy, he said, know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come. If that's not perilous, I don't know what is, and I'm not minimizing the other shootings that have taken place prior to that. They're all horrible, they're all bad, but this one on Friday when you have what was done there is, is, is for men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, 
slanderers without self-control. And this next one, brutal. Despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure other than lovers of God. We live in that time now. But that word brutal or fierce jumped out at me. And what was done there on Friday was brutal. It was savage. It was fierce. As you study that word out, resembling of what a wild, hungry, crazed lion would do to its prey. So that's the second thing I would tell folk. First would be many times mental illness plays a a role, certainly a sign of the last days, the brutality. And then I would tell somebody, I would tell you all, the United States, by and large, not everywhere, but by and large has become an immoral nation. You say, we have a money problem in this nation. Well, it's deeper than that. It's a morality problem. The money problem is just one of the symptoms of it. A morality problem. Did you know many of the TV shows that kids watch and have watched for, have been on for years? And many of the video games that kids play, and I don't know if this murderer on Friday did any of this, but I watched any of these shows or played any of these video games, but I'm just saying that I don't believe there's any place for video games where people are shooting one another up. TV shows and video games and whatnot that kids have played for years give avenue to this sort of thing. And then I'd say this, that this nation has kicked God, the Bible, and the Ten Commandments out of the public school system. The nation has kicked God the Bible and the Ten Commandments out of the public school system. I believe one of the Ten Commandments says, you shall not commit murder. You shall not kill, but actually it's you shall not commit murder. God hasn't just been asked to leave the public school system. He's been kicked out by the scuff of the neck Now, I know there's some Christians that are in the public school system. I know that. I taught in, I came out of the system as a student. I taught there. There are some good Christians in there, but I'm talking by and large. God has been taken by the scuff of the neck, taken to the door and kicked in the seat of the pants, him and the Bible and the Ten Commandments and told to get out. When God leaves, light leaves, because God is light. And then all you have is darkness left. Somebody might ask and say, well, why didn't God protect those children on Friday? Let me just say this to you. What if I had a police officer armed and a good good man, 
back in that corner, in that corner, this corner, this corner, four of them. I had three of them out front in the foyer, one down at that door, and two more over in the children's church. Good, solid police officers armed in here to help us and keep us safe. What if we had that? And then what if I one day said, I want all of you guys to get out of this building. You leave, get out, and don't come back. And they pleaded with me and they said, but we're here for your own good. We're here to protect you and the congregation and keep everyone safe. And I, along with all of you, said, no, police officers, get out. And what if tears in their eyes, they walked to the front door and they got there and they said, well, we we don't want to leave. We want to be here. We're here for your own good. And, And I, and along with you all, said to them, nope, out. And they all left. And then next Sunday, some crazed maniac comes in here and shoots us all up. Could we get mad at those police officers? Would it be their fault? Could we get mad at them? Should we get mad at them? Who told them to leave? We did. So you kick God out. And then, I mean, you don't just ask him to leave. You kick him out. He pleads and pleads. You kick him out. And then, and then people want to get mad at at him that wasn't God's doing and he shouldn't be blamed and he shouldn't be we shouldn't be angry with him President Obama can you see how supernatural this is here today can you see that I, this I, I, it, freaks, it freaks me out how Supernatural, this is how God knew ahead of time. Not just so that you can think I'm spiritual, but he had something for you, see. President Obama, and I'm not here today to attack him in any way, but President Obama held back tears at those slaughtered last Friday, especially at the 20 young elementary school students. And I applaud President Obama for his show of emotion. And I am brokenhearted and weep along with him, as I feel we all should be. Very tragic thing. But let us not forget that not only were 20 children massacred in Connecticut on Friday, but there were 3,700 others that were massacred on Friday. They were not shot up by a crazed maniac, but they were killed in their mother's wombs through abortion. In no way am I minimizing what happened 
in Connecticut. That's horrible. But you need to remember that there wasn't just 20 slaughtered, but there were approximately 3,700 that were slaughtered on Friday. And 3,700 slaughtered the day before that. And 3,700 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 every day is what it averages out. And there'll be 3,700 more slaughtered in their mother's wombs tomorrow. And 3,700. Now, before anybody come up and say, Pastor, you shouldn't really be saying that at a time like this. That's what the Holy Ghost wanted me to say right here. So if you have a problem with this, talk to, to the Lord. I probably wouldn't have said this right here, but that's what he wanted said right here. We need to realize what's going on in this nation. See, we see what happened on Friday as tragic as it is and I'm broken over it. It's un... Can't put it in words what was done. But every day, 3,700 is the average little babies are slaughtered in their mother's wombs. And then we want God to bless this nation. We need national repentance. From the White House all the way down to the church house. All the way down to your house and my house. A voice was heard, the Bible said. A voice was heard in Ramah. Lamentation, weeping, and great mourning. Rachel weeping for her children, refusing to be comforted because they are no more. And a voice was heard in Connecticut last Friday. Lamentation, weeping, and great mourning. Mothers and fathers and family members and others weeping for their children, refusing to be comforted because they are no more. And a voice should be heard in this nation every day. In the United States of America, lamentation, weeping, and great mourning weeping for the children, the children that are aborted in their mother's wombs, refusing to be comforted because they are no more. So I'll conclude this message by answering a question for you because you're probably sitting there saying how do we protect ourselves and our families 
How do we protect ourselves and our families? How do we do it? How do we protect ourselves from some crazed maniac coming in and some murderer, cold-blooded, crazed maniac? How do we protect ourselves, our families, our children? How do we do it? How do we, Pastor, how do we do it? Well, I'm gonna tell you. Let's go to Matthew 2, verse 13. We've already read it, but we need to reiterate it. Then we'll close the message. Matthew 2, verse 13. Now when they, the wise men, had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Joseph had responsibility for his family, didn't he? Saying, arise, take the young child and his mother, flee to Egypt, stay there until I bring you word, for Herod will seek the young child to destroy him or to kill him. When he arose, he took the young child and his mother by night departed for Egypt and was there until the death of Herod. Do you see Joseph was being led by the spirit, wasn't he? How do we protect ourselves, our families, our children, be led by the spirit? Mamas, daddies, we need to be led by the spirit. We need to be sensitive to the spirit of God and be led by the spirit. That's how Jesus' life was spared. Again, it wasn't by an angelic host of, of warring angels. God could have done it that way, but he didn't. He led Joseph and Joseph took Mary and Jesus and as a result, Jesus wasn't destroyed. And then in verse 19, Now when Herod was dead, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, saying, Arise, take the young child and his mother and go to the land of Israel. For those who sought the young child's life are dead. Do you see that Joseph is being led by the Spirit? Do you see that? And do you see that it saved his child's life, didn't it? Being led by the Spirit. Dear friends, we live in perilous times. We live in an immoral nation. We live in a nation where there's a lot of unsavory things. And all the things that the Lord has taught us over the years, we better put to use now. And we better stay sensitive to the things of God, to the things of the Spirit, to the leading of the Spirit. Because you, your wife, your children, your husband, your family's life could very well be at stake. So it's a day, it's an hour to be led by the Spirit, to be sensitive to the Spirit of God. How does he lead? Does he lead with a booming voice? Does he lead with an angelic appearance? Well, he could, but how does he typically lead? We've taught you this. He leads through the Word of God, but if you can't find it in the Word of God, then it's by what? Peace versus what? No peace. Just that check on the inside. You better be sensitive to that. How do we protect ourselves, our families? By being led by the Spirit. You know, you can't, you can't go to the Bible and, you know, say, should I, should I send my child such and such or should we go such and such today? You know what I mean? You, you know, should we go to the mall today, huh? I mean, you understand. 
You can't read that in the Bible, but you, you understand what I'm saying. But if you're headed to the mall and there's a check, I mean, you know, you know what I'm talking about. You better, you better be obedient to the Spirit of God. Because your life, you're not trying to scare you, but I mean, this is scary. But God knows, doesn't he? And he has our best interest at heart. But you know what? With a little bit of comfort, as sad as it is, that some comfort, and I think it's great comfort, that when children are deceased, their spirit goes to be with the Lord. And so that's some comfort, isn't it? And that's a lot of comfort. I know what it's like to lose little children. So don't tell me I don't know what it feels like because I do. It's like somebody taking and ripping your heart right out of your chest. And, And part of you dies and you're never the same. But you know you can see him one day. When David lost his child, he said, he cannot come to me, but I can go to him. And you know something else? When babies and young ones begin to be slaughtered, God sends forth deliverance. They did it in the day of Moses. They were throwing children into the river to be eaten by the crocodiles or the alligators. Is that right? And Moses was raised up. They were killing babies in Jesus' day. He was risen up. They're killing babies in our day. And there's somebody getting ready to come back to put a stop to all this. And his name's Jesus. Can you say amen? Well, let's stand and pray for those families. Grab hands with the person next to you. This is a time of sorrow and sadness for this whole nation. Heavenly Father, right now, we lift up to you all of the families, loved ones of those little ones and the adults as well. We understand losing an adult is, is, is tragic as well, certainly. But we lift the families up, those that were slaughtered on Friday in Connecticut. We lift them up to you. We know that the the children have gone on to be with you. But those family members, we just ask right now, Holy Spirit, that you would comfort them with comfort that only you can provide. For no words of a mortal man or woman can be spoken that can ultimately heal those sorts of wounds, but it's only a job that the Holy Spirit can can do and so Holy Spirit comfort you're known as the comforter comfort those mamas and those daddies and those loved ones and family members the grandpas and the grandmas comfort them this day comfort them this day and throughout this entire ordeal and in the process of time we ask you to heal their hearts and bind up the wounds and We just ask you to do that. We pray for the president that as he goes there that you would help him to say words that would bring comfort.
And sir, we just ask right now that you would continue to lead and to guide each and every one of us through that inner witness, through peace versus no peace, that we'd be sensitive to the Spirit of God, that we'd be keen and sharp, and we'd obey when you put that check in our heart, in our spirit. We ask that you'd lead us and guide us. We declare over this congregation, over this church and ministry, that those that have set themselves in, in agreement with us, that we declare no weapon formed against them will prosper. And Lord, we just give you all the glory and all the honor and all the praise because we know that you are good and that you're good all the time. And we love you and honor you and praise you. In Jesus' name. Now, with heads bowed and eyes closed, if you're here today and you don't know Jesus, you've never come to the Lord, you've never given your life to him, we want to ask you to do that, encourage you to do that before you leave today. There'll be some men and women standing up here in the front. If you don't know where you stand with the Lord, if you don't know when you die, if you go to heaven or hell, before you leave, just come up and just ask these people to pray with you, and they will. You'll be glad you did. Now, hug somebody close to you, love on them a little bit, you're dismissed. God bless you.